It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. You're listening to Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. I think when I was there, the locker room was unbelievable. It made it fun to come to the rink every day. Uh, the coaching staff was great from Pete and, and Spotter and those guys that were there. And, and Doug and them made you feel like welcoming as a family. And so, you know, I, I obviously it was, we came up short in 2016. So it definitely was a, a tough a tough way to go. But to uh, play against with some great people. And it was really everybody bonded well together and fought for each other. And it made it really special. And, you know. I think the Sharks in good hands and, and hopefully for the people and hockey resumes and hopefully they kind of get back to where they were before and, and try to get back to that 2016 year. Uh, well, so my favorite subject, I loved school when I was when I was going to school. I, I always enjoyed math and uh, science, but I think my favorite was history. I've always been really into history and I still read a lot of books about history now and, you know, the Vikings and, and mythology, learning about the world wars, about, uh, about the armed forces. I've always been really into that. All right. Good morning, everyone. How are we all doing? Ted Ramey with you as always here on Morning Tide. We had Joel Ward and Brent Burns bringing us in there and we'll start off by congratulating Mr. Ward on a fantastic NHL career if you have not read his piece for the Players' Tribune, I highly recommend you do so. It just talks about the fight through his career and, you know, not thinking to be able to play one NHL game, let alone 726. Really inspiring stuff and gets into the work ethic and the grind of competitors and being thankful for what he was capable of doing. And, you know, Ward is just one of those good guys in the NHL world. You cannot find anyone that's going to say a negative word about him. And I think that when I go back and thinking about his time in the NHL and thinking about his time specifically with the San Jose Sharks is I just think of a guy who I could count on night in, night out to really game hard. He was going to go out there and play. He was going to give it his all. He was not going to have quote unquote off nights in the sense that you felt like the effort wasn't always there. And, you know, I'm not going to say that about anyone specifically in the NHL, but you do see sometimes guys where they're just not the same guy night in, night out. And it's not always predicated on the effort. Sometimes they are having an off night. Sometimes they are having a just a game where things aren't going their way. But with Ward, you felt like he was always pushing to make it go his way or his team's way, even if he wasn't having the best night, even if he wasn't having um, a night where everything was clicking. His effort was always 100%. His effort was always there to try and make something happen and try and create opportunities for his teammates. And when you see a guy like that, and you recognize his contributions to that team that did make it to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, just really in incredible and impactful stuff, and you, you hope that he can just go on and have a, a great career in retirement, you know, his, his career after his hockey career, and, you know, I would imagine that there's going to be opportunities for him around the league. Um, maybe one of those will be with the San Jose Sharks. I don't know. Um, I just know that having a guy like that around who has the desire to teach who has the desire to impart the things he's learned. That's going to help hockey players around the world, around the league, whatever it is. 
I think there are going to be opportunities for Joel Ward. So, again, uh, congratulations to him on a fantastic career. And uh, I, you know, hopefully we're going to get him here on the show. That's that's my hope. We're working on it. We'll see whether or not we can make that happen. But I would like to talk to him and ask him about his career and some of those moments with the San Jose Sharks and other places he was able to play. So we're working on that one for you. Um, I do uh, want to go over just some of the news that's been around in, in you know, greater California and nationwide news that might affect the sports world. I know that we've heard from Governor Gavin Newsom that there is going to be the implementation of phases that lead us to reopening. Whether or not those include sports in front of fans, I do not know, but it does seem like there is a reality in the, I will say, future. I'm not going to say it's the near future, the distant future, whatever, but it does seem like we're coming up on ideas on how we might see games happening. I just don't know whether or not those are going to be in front of fans. That's the real question right now. That's probably going to be a way off. I, you know, I, I'm just speculating. This is only my opinion. It might happen in other states where you're in front of fans, but California, because its population is so large and because we saw what happened with New York, I think that's weighing heavily on the mind of people like Gavin Newsom as it should weigh heavily on the minds of people like Gavin Newsom. I think that our elected officials are doing absolutely the best job they can in incredibly difficult circumstances, trying to figure out how they can get people back to work, how they can resume life as quote-unquote normal. I don't know when that normal life is going to occur, but I do know that decisions are being made to try and facilitate a sense of normalcy sooner rather than later in the context of the safest possible conditions um, so we're going to see, but it seems like the phased implementation of these ideas to get us back to normal is leading us towards a future that has sports happening again in front of fans. That's the big question. I think we're a ways out from that, but I think we can all agree that if we were able to watch hockey and soccer and baseball and basketball for the greater good of the country, we would all love to have that distraction again. I think we would all love to be able to hear Ruzi on the radio and watch Randy on TV and see these games and watch action and have things to talk about on with our friends in terms of sports. That's a huge distraction in life, and we're all missing that right now, and I think a lot of us need that right now. Um, now, one of the things that we're looking at if fans don't go into the arenas and the stadiums around the country is how that's impacting the workers. One of the things that's been going on with the San Jose Sharks is they have created a COVID-19 relief fund. We're going to get into that with Jonathan Becker here in a few moments, but the Sharks are trying to help the employees that are being impacted by this. So I think that's a good move 100% on the Sharks organization because they recognize that it's more than just the play on the ice. It's the community that's being impacted by this. And, you know, like we say, we all want sports back because it's a distraction. It's entertainment. It's something for us to focus on as opposed to you know, some very depressing numbers that are a result of this pandemic, but also people who work in the sports world are definitely being impacted. And those include these workers at Sharks Ice, at SAP Center, Solar for America venues in Fremont and in Oakland. These people are all being impacted. So a big move by the Sharks there, and we'll get into that in a few moments with Jonathan Becker. Another cool project that's going on, including the Sharks and other Northern California sports teams, like I said, the Sharks, the Earthquakes, the Sacramento Kings, the Golden State Warriors, the Oakland Days, and the San Francisco Giants, and the 49ers, as well as NBC Sports Bay Area and California, they've all donated 
the materials to create 50,000 face masks and bandanas. I love to see all these teams and organizations chipping in with the relief efforts, and I think it speaks a lot to what our society is capable of as a whole when we all have to come together towards one common theme, which is respectively the pandemic and the virus. Uh, Before we go any further, I wanted to play a couple of cuts from Joel Ward's retirement presser last week. Uh, This is what he had to say when being asked about you know, why he's stayed in San Jose and what's potentially next for him. Yeah. Uh, first thought, well, we, we end up sticking around here, obviously. Um, <laughs> what's not, it's pretty hard to be here in California. Uh, you know, we have a home here, a little guy was born here. So I think at the time, initially my wife was pregnant. We just had a chance to, to stick around, you know, because, uh, my wife being pregnant, we didn't want to, you know, move away too far, make any crazy decisions. So, um, so we just ended up sticking out here and thought it was the best at the time. And then as time went on, we just ended up sticking out. My wife's working here as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've had some talks with the Sharks just kind of briefly, uh, you know, going back and forth at a few times. Um, you know, we've chatted about some different areas. I've I've kind of shared that I'd like to hopefully get on the ice at some point with them and if it could work out. So, uh, you know, obviously, unfortunate this all kind of came about. But I've uh, been on and off chats Um with the sharks and, you know, if things did work out, uh, yeah, it'd been great to stay here. And, um, you know, we're kind of waiting to see what's going to happen after all this. Cause this kind of put a little bit of a, a blunder on a few, on a few things. So, um, but in the meantime, my wife's still here and, uh, I've been a stay at home dad for the last uh, little while. So I've been kind of just, uh, daddy daycare here for most of the days. Um, so, uh, overall it's been great though. I got a chance to bond with my little guy and, you know, it's actually helped me mentally, over the case of, of uh, missing the games. And this has kind of been a good transition for me. And here he is when being asked about the hockey is for everyone campaign. Uh, it, it's huge for me. It's, it's representation. I think for me growing up uh, in Toronto, there wasn't too many blacks that, uh, that were playing a national hockey league and to look up to. And um, as, as I always said, Kevin Weeks was a, a guy that I looked up to. He was in, we lived in the same neighborhood and, um, and he was kind of the star athlete growing up. So, um, I just think it's just a game for everybody. You know, I picked up a stick and fell in love with it. You know, why can't the next kid? And I think a lot of it is uh, for guys like myself and other players to uh, show kids uh, of minorities of background and people of color that, you know, hockey is for everybody. Uh, we're here just to enjoy the game and have fun. It's another sport that anybody else can pick up and play. And, and we've been trying to, trying to focus that and to get more kids more involved and not to be scared. So, um, you know, obviously the league and everybody else has got to do their part, but it's important for, for the current player representation for those kids to see, to look up to. I mean, it's not about seeing the LeBron Jameses all the time and everybody else. It's hockey here is a fantastic sport as well. And, and not to take nothing away from that, but it's, it's also a game for, for everybody of color. So really cool stuff there from Ward. And of course, we'll be keeping an eye on everything that is next for him and his post playing career. All right, we are going to go out to the phone line now and be joined by the president of the San Jose Sharks, Jonathan Becker. Jonathan, good to see you. How are you? Ted, it's fantastic to be back on Morning Tide. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, my friend. And we last spoke roughly six weeks ago. It was within 10 days after sports had officially come to a halt and you know everyone was kind of trying to make sense and seeing where things would end up. And we haven't had 
Well, there have been a lot of ideas of what may happen next, but the first question I wanted to ask you was more of a sense of, in your career, in terms of management, in terms of leadership, you're always coming up with contingency plans. You're always coming up with, you know, if X happens, do I do Y, et cetera, those type of things. This is not a contingency, though. This is a paradigm shift. Is there anything in your career that's prepared you for something like this, or do you more view it in the vein of everything that I've done up to this point has put me in the best possible position to deal with something like this, which is, again, more like a paradigm shift than a contingency plan? Only six weeks, Hunter. Feels like more like six months, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, there's no one single event that's happened in my career that I can say, because I went through that, I feel better equipped to going through this. Um, you know, I think last we talked, everyone was using the word unprecedented. And, you know, unprecedented means never happened before. And never happened before literally means nothing in the past prepares you for what actually happened now. I can't think of any time in our lifetime where all of professional sports, all big events were all shut down simultaneously. Um, maybe in the global 1918 pandemic, maybe there was a time during one of the world wars, but not in our lifetime. Yeah. Having said that, I think, think there were a series of events that have happened to me over the years where I can draw insights from what happened during those events to think about now. Uh, as a simple example, uh, I was in charge of a 15,000-person live event during the time when Legionnaire's disease broke out. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was in the news. We were just about to start two days later a large private event. And we're like, well, what do we do? Do we cancel? Do we do a new cleaning scenario? We, we talked to the local health officials. They're like, we don't know. We don't know anything about Legionnaire's disease yet. This is new to us. So we did our best. We kind of went through. We, we actually kept the whole event, but we brought in cleaning crews uh, twice during the day and overnight, and I did it as well. So that taught me the importance of cleaning in ways you've never seen before. Um, yeah. I got stuck myself. Do you remember when the volcano, I think it was in um, someplace in the Nordic countries, blew up? Iceland, uh, about It was Iceland. That's exactly right. Uh, so I was in Europe uh, with a bunch of my colleagues back during my tech career, and we were stuck there uh, with a group of about 500 people trying to figure out how to get us all back to many different countries, including U.S. and Canada. And that short term, again, tough to get information around, trying to figure out which decision to make. Lot, there was less social media there then than there is now, but there was still lots of information and you could argue misinformation going on. So there's been a series of those. The world changes in a way you don't expect, where I've been either in leadership roles or maybe second command to others where you see how you react. And more than anything else I've learned, the more information sources you get, the better decision you can make. The diversity of thought is useful in those times. The thing that's interesting though, is that even though you are in a leadership position, you have to defer to government levels that go above and over your head. It's not like you're in charge of what happens next. You're having to react to what people above you and it's I mean, this isn't a business structure this is you know federal and local governments making decisions that impact biz businesses well it's, and it's not just but for sure the, the the closest authorities are the local ones and then they cooperate with the state authorities who cooperate with the federal authorities but it's there's another layer to that as well which is we're a team essentially a franchise is part of this collective that is the nhl as well and teams don't make decisions unilaterally on their own. They take decisions in combination with the NHL. In some cases, the NHL decisions will supersede our own. So 
in a weird way to make it seem less complicated, I have at least two different bosses when it comes to making these decisions, uh, both the health authorities and the league itself. One thing that you have been able to take uh, charge of or at least be in a role of uh, leadership for is the COVID-19 relief fund that the Sharks have set up for workers who work at uh, Sharks Ice, who are working at the arena, who are working for the organization in capacities beyond the front office. This is something that you've done in collaboration with other front office members, uh, with players donating money to send up, uh, set up this relief fund. If you could just uh, walk us all through about how this came uh, to be and then what you're hoping to do with it. Yeah, appreciate it, Ted. Um, so first of all, um, all full-time employees, those that essentially rely on the Sharks Sports and Entertainment, which is the events that happen at SAP Center and our three other Sharks Ice facilities, regardless of whether they're salary or hourly, if they are, let's call it more than 30 hours a week associated with us, they're still getting paid. It doesn't matter that there are no events happening in our business, no concerts, no hockey games, no fan. We're still paying everybody regardless of their sheltered in place. Other organizations, both sports ones and tech ones and other companies have furloughed people or reduced people's salaries. We haven't had to do that. I mean, if this thing goes on for years, we might have to consider that as well, but Nobody expects that right now or hopes for that. In addition, for the hockey games that haven't happened yet, those five games that were going to happen in the late March and early April, there were part-time workers, uh, people that pick up, you know, five hours a week or 10 hours a week, sometimes a bit more, but typically they augment some other income with hockey games and concerts. We already paid out for those people if they've already been scheduled. So everything through essentially April 15th. Sadly, this year, it looked like we weren't going to make the playoffs. I, I think somebody out there will tell you mathematically we weren't quite eliminated yet, uh, but the odds were probably against us at that point. And so it's that group of people that, pe that augment their income. They likely have a second job. Some of them might have an, even a third or a fourth job. It's not just they can't pick up any hours in our building right now, but many other jobs they're having as well, whether they work in a grocery store or someplace else, they're probably at reduced hours or not anything else. Those part-time workers, I've heard people call them sporadically going to different places. There can be a negative association with that word. They are the ones that are hit the hardest. They are, frankly, typically a little bit lower income. They typically don't have the, the benefits that hopefully you and I and others do as well. So we wanted to do something as part of our concept we call Teal Together, mm -hmm. taking care of the people that take care of, of us. We want to do something to help them out. So we've launched a fund. As you said, it's called the Sharks Sports and Entertainment COVID-19 Relief Fund. And our ownership group, uh, led by Hasso Plotner, is matching all the money that we raise. Uh, and when we launched it uh, earlier in the week, actually, I think this will drop on Monday morning. So we launched it a week ago when everyone's listening to us. Uh, we'd already raised $200,000 from yeah. the business staff, from players, from coaches, uh, last I looked, the number was uh, getting close to 300000 So we're actually, uh, with fan support and season ticket holders and suite holders and, frankly, people that just love the franchise, taking care of the people that take care of us. And the way this works is if you've worked in our building this season and you've worked at least an average of five hours a week, uh, you can go online and apply. And as long as you're not a tech worker that's just moonlighting in our job, in a couple of hours, usually 72 hours, you get a $500 tax-free gift. Uh, and it just shows up essentially electronically. You can claim it as well. And again, last I looked, Gardy, I think about 100 workers have done this. We expect more to do this over time. 
there are roughly 1,800 workers in and around the San Jose community that rely on us. And those are the people that we want to help because they've always spent their days helping us. And I just want to point out that people that are interested in making donations themselves, they can go to sjsharks.com slash COVID-19 relief. Uh, so that, you know, like I said, if you want to make a do uh, donation, you can. Um, and this is great. And, you know, you're alluding to the fact that the people who are working these multiple jobs, they are being the hardest hit uh, by this pandemic right now. And you bring up the idea of community. And this was something that I heard um, during the the lockout in 2012 uh, before the 2013 startup was that there was a great amount of concern among the organization about local businesses being impacted. So it's not like this is the first time that the Sharks are thinking about the greater community as a whole. And that that goes back to the, to the values that you've consistently talked about in your time with the organization. You know, we're a sports team born in San Jose. We live in San Jose. Our players mostly live locally. This is the community we all live in and we love. And so the, our fans do a ton for us every day. We want to do something back to them as well. It's not just limited to this relief fund. You may remember as soon as the shelter in place order got announced, uh, that sounds like more than eight weeks ago, but I think it was actually only eight weeks ago. Um, we, together with our good partner, SAP, who has the naming rights for SAP Center, we donated $300,000 to a local food bank. Also together with Aramark, who does the food in our building, we took all the leftover food that we thought were going to be ready for the next couple of concerts and hockey games. And we gave those to another food bank as well. I think you've seen some of our players have been doing work in the community as well. So being community minded is a big part of who we are. We are, we're born here and we expect to be here for a very long time. And again, that uh, website you can go to is sjsharks.com slash COVID-19 relief. If you would like to make a donation. So I guess at this point, Jonathan, as we continue on into the unknown here is, What's next? I mean, can you even hazard a guess as to what is next? Are there things that you're looking to see line up for what you want the organization to do next? Are you waiting for news from the federal government or the or the league? I mean, are you still feeling like you're stuck in a bit of a limbo so that while that is in limbo, you can do things to focus on the community like this relief fund? You know, I, I'm like the rest of you. I read lots of online stuff that suggests Here's how sports are coming back. Here's the timeline. There are lots of rumors out there. Mm -hmm. I'm also lucky enough that I'm on a weekly conference call, sometimes more than weekly. Gary Bettman, the league commissioner, shows up. Uh, he actually came and talked to all of us uh, as an all-hands meeting. We call those Team Teal meetings. So the best we can do, nobody really knows exactly what's going to happen next. We've seen that although the shelter-in-place was extended this until the end of May, it's a little bit looser during this period than it was in the previous period. And I expect it might get extended a little bit more from there, but again, a looser situation still. Gavin Newsom was on TV just last week saying we are now days away as opposed to weeks away from maybe having more looser restrictions on restaurants. Having said that, you know, a 17,000 person gathering for a hockey game is probably not coming in the next small number of weeks, maybe not even in a couple of months. So what we do is we scenario plan. We say, what happens if we're allowed to host a game, but it's no fans? How do we do that? What if we're allowed to host a game, but we can only have a thousand fans? What happens if we're allowed to host a game and we can put people in the suites because those are like private rooms, but we can't put them in a bowl? Mm -hmm. What if we can have a few people in the bowl, a few people in the suites? What if it's ingress and egress, getting in and out of the building is a problem because the lines are bad there. And so we have to open the doors three hours ahead of time and keep people for, you know, an hour afterwards. And then we don't, we do every other seat. So we have, 
and I don't want to make up a number because I don't remember, we have like a dozen or more different scenarios that we're building based on very different timelines. And the answer is, as time goes on, we'll learn a lot more and the health authorities will help inform us which of those scenarios come to life. So we're actually almost more busy now than we would during a regular season because since we don't know which way is next, every week another rumor comes out, another idea shows up. Oh, is it thermometers at the front door? So how do we buy enough thermometers to do thermal temperature checks? Uh, oh, do we have to buy masks for everybody in the building? There's always a new idea that someone has. And so then we have to take a couple of days to run that one down, or maybe I should say skate that one down to see what actually happens with that scenario. When you are dealing with all these ideas and all these different plans that might happen, do you ever get stuck in a, a forest trees situation where you just kind of have to step back and say, hold on a second, we need to focus on what we're actually trying to do as opposed to all the potential realities that are being thrown at us. For sure. Uh, um, look, part of putting on a, a big event is you have to be very detail oriented. Um, just even for a regular game during normal days, you know, as life would have been months ago, the number of variables that can hit you is, uh, I'm not going to say exponential because that's everyone's least favorite word right now as we've seen exponential, but there are a huge number of variables. And so when we're scenario planning, if we're not difficult, we'll get stuck in the weeds and say, what if it looks like that versus that? And since nobody really knows, we want to do 70 or 80% plans, not 99% plans, because we can flesh out the details once we know which way we're going. But we also don't do it on our own. The good news is part of Bay Area Nights, you know, I might call up Rick Welts uh, at the Warriors. I might call up Al Guido over the Niners. We'll talk to the earthquakes, et cetera. We have other teams that are in other similar stations. So there's a lot more cooperation happening between teams and between the league than maybe you see in a normal basis. And to be fair, none of us are afraid to say, that seems like a really bad idea. You really want to do that? Here's a way we've been thinking about it. And, you know, part of my tech background means I uh, will generate a lot of ideas. Luckily, my team is uh, not shy. I won't say, yeah, I don't think that's a good one, Jonathan. Let's, let's concentrate on this one over here. <laughs> well, that's good. It, uh, it keeps you grounded, I suppose. Um, you know, I guess looking at yourself in this situation, when you look at your career and you've been so busy for, you know, however many years you want to go back, but you've been amongst people, you've been working in collaborative efforts, you've been going and going and going. And we all get caught in that hamster wheel that is the day-to-day -day of the work life, and we all get little breaks in there. But this is something entirely different. So I guess, you know, have you looked at the way you've worked and made any adjustments to how you've done things? Have you had to do that? Have you been able to look at something and say, I've been doing this the wrong way, now I need to do it this way? I guess, have you been able to use this as any sort of a learning opportunity for yourself? For sure. Um, so one of my own personal mantras is, lifetime learning. I actually force myself in a written journal every week to sit down and think about, did I learn any lessons this week? Or in many cases, did I go through any experiences where I didn't really learn it because I didn't think about it because I was doing the training of the urgent? And how do I extrapolate that and try to remind myself? So like many of people probably listening to us in the first two weeks, I said, oh, I'm not nearly as productive as I am normally. So I'm going to work more hours to make up for the fact that I'm less productive. And I got into this terrible habit of 14, 15, 16 hour days, often in my home office, which is not as ergonomically sound as probably my work office. And I started getting headaches and my neck didn't feel as good. And I stopped working out. And look, I did all the things I tell people not to do. In fact, I think I got on my own all hands meetings and said, never do this, but I was doing it myself. So, you know, what's that old saying, you know, position, heal yourself. So after 
two weeks of a bit of a craziness, I stepped back and I said, okay, I'm going to remind myself to make sure I get exercise every single day. And if it's a particularly busy day, then I'm going to walk at noon and get out in the sun. I'm going to try to get back to my normal weekly hike because I love hiking in the hills. We, come on, we live in a beautiful area. Right. There's less smog now than there was a couple months ago. So you can see the mountains much more clearly from my house, et cetera. So I'm actually regenerating better habits now. It might've taken me four or five or six weeks, but I'm also doing a better job of saying, you know, sports in particular, even more so than a lot of industries is about traditions. Mm -hmm. Often we do things a certain way. And Ted, I'm sure you see this as well because it's always been done that way. And once it's been done a year, 10 years, 15 years, we're so proud of those traditions that we never second guess them. And so part of what myself and the team have started to do is ask why a lot more um, and poke at it, not in a confrontational way. I have a phrase I love, which is hard on the issue, but easy on the people. But to say, why is it that we're doing this? Well, I, I, one always assumed that sports teams could never be virtual. And yet you may have seen we ran some uh, simulated games. Uh, we, ran, we went 8-0. and It's a pretty good record for simulated games. We actually had a fan get injured in that simulated yes. game, in one of the simulated games. We had another fan score a game-winning goal in overtime. So, there are, so why is it that we've never augmented the live sport? I'm not saying get rid of the live sport, but with simulated games. Maybe after every live game, we should replay that game in a simulated way, take one of our pro players out, substitute it with a fan, and see if the fan can help change the outcome of the game. I don't know exactly how to do that, but we're asking a, a why. And I'm certainly asking why a lot more now. And I will tell you, that, and I'm not ready to announce anything yet, but we've been astonished for a couple of times of sometimes the answer is just because it's always been that way. And that's yeah. not always a good answer. Well, that's the thing is you're looking at innovation that's going to come out of this. And I'm sure there's a number of different directions that it can go. But one of the ideas that was being bandied about over the past couple of years, particularly for the NHL and the NBA was the introduction of VR headsets that would kind of have you sitting courtside or rinkside, depending on the sport. And that's something that I've been thinking out out of this entire situation is I wonder how much that technology is going to be thrust forward because, as you've alluded to, we're talking about situations in the near future that could very well entail either A, significantly less fans allowed in the building, or B, no fans allowed in the building. So that technology suddenly has a lot more of a, an economic incentive to become workable for teams, television networks, online entities, and beyond. I, I agree. To be fair, um, I think the technology still has some development to go. It's not yeah. fully where we'd like it to be. I also not convinced that pure virtual reality is what's going to win. I think some mixed use, some people like to use the term augmented reality, where it's partly live, partly simulated, mixed together. I mean, the simplest example I give people is if you were in our arena during game seven against Vegas, remember the emotion that you felt and you hugged or high-fived or whatever you did the person near you as well, that part of bonding in sports, you can't get from purely virtual. And yeah. so maybe what we'll have is mini watch parties um, where you need what are, I think are called syntactic things to give you feedback. Like um, if, you're, if you want to simulate a roller coaster, you want your seat to rumble a little bit. Yeah. So maybe we need to be able to put uh, you know, electrodes in the skin to like, so your, your hair is raised a little bit uh, when we have an unusual thing. And maybe we need to pipe goal horns into people's houses so they can hear celebrations and stuff like that. I, <laughs> we're trying to do the reverse as well. We're, we're, we're wondering whether we recruit fans 
that if they watch our game at home, and let's say we finish the regular season, but we do it to an empty building, which seems like one of the possibilities, the players have already said it's going to be very weird for them to play without fan noise. Yeah. So maybe we pipe in, not fake fan noise, not like the laugh tracks that you see on TV, but maybe we recruit a panel of fans to allow themselves to be mic'd up as opposed to the players to be mic'd up where they're watching on TV or listening to the radio. And we pipe in their authentic reactions into the bowl so the players can feel how the fans. That, that's one of the things we're experimenting with idea-wise as well. I love that idea, honestly. I, I think that would be really, really cool. The only the only issue I would see just because I've seen it before is the any delay. But if you can get that in real time, that'd be incredible because that was one of the things I talked to uh, with Evander Kane last week. Just He said, hey, I remember playing in juniors and having – you know, some low attendance numbers at some of those games, but there's always somebody in the building. There's always a reaction, but when you get SAP center empty and you don't get anything, but the players, I mean, Hey, the TV mics are going to have to turn down a bit because it's going to be F bombs nonstop. And NBC is going to start complaining, but, but also it just, it would, it would feel the building would feel cavernous compared to what's actually happening on the ice. I mean, it would be such a strange idea to watch these empty sporting events take place. So I'm, I'm all on board with that idea, Jonathan. So keep working on them, but uh, I, I, I will let you go. Um, and I guess I'll just, I'll, I'll leave it at this with one la- last question. Um, what is your, I mean, are you hopeful right now for the start of next season on time, regardless if fans aren't there, or are you more thinking I'm just going to roll with the punches and see whatever we, whatever we can get here and that, Hope isn't really a strategy, so it's kind of maybe unwise to hope for anything to start as normal. Well, I'm an internal optimist. So um, I always think even out of the darkest day, we learn some things, we move forward. I suspect that next season will not start on October 4th, I think was going to be our our opening day. It'll Mm -hmm. start at some point later than that. I don't know if that's later in October, in November. I think December is probably the latest that's been discussed it will start. A lot of that has to do with this season. Uh, You know, the beauty of the Stanley Cup is it's a grind, right? It's two months essentially of, you know, and so depending on when the regular season finishes and the playoffs starts, we need some break between the awarding of the Stanley Cup for the 1920 season before the 21-21 season starts. A lot of that depends on the format, et cetera. Um, And, uh, you know, is it possible that – concerts will be allowed to happen before hockey or at least small event. I mean, our building might get busy with a new kind of event, even for hockey, which means we're all busy again on the business side. Yeah. Um, but I, I gotta say hockey runs in my blood. So <laughs> nothing's going to replace the beginning of that live event. And so, yes, I, I miss it. The public safety is more important than getting that game back tomorrow. And so whatever comes will happen. Uh, and until then we'll, we'll build some new treats for people because, you know, part of what we want to do is surprise and delight people. So I, I'm not ready to hint anything, but <laughs> for sure the, that, that experience for all of us, the first time we're let back in the building to watch a live, it's going to be cathartic. I, I'm, I don't know if it'll be allowed as game seven versus uh, Vegas, but I, it'll be certainly as guttural and as human emotion and finding ways to augment that and to bring it to the hundreds of thousands of people that won't fit in the building, but maybe want to. Because not everyone's going to want to go back on day one. That's something I'd like to solve, and we're already working on some interesting ideas there. Well, Jonathan, this all sounds fantastic. It's always a pleasure having you on, and you sound as invigorated as ever to go out there and get things done for the franchise 
and the community. So again, thank you so much. Thanks, Ted. And I'll just end the way we started, which is for those people that feel like they can support during these times, just remember every dollar that you may donate at sjsharks.com, COVID-19 relief is doubled because we're matching all the money that gets raised. So many of you have already, and I give you my personal thanks. If you'd like to do it, please take the time. Again, that was president of the San Jose Sharks, Jonathan Becker. The link we've been providing again is sjsharks.com slash COVID-19 relief. The team started taking public donations one week ago, and that will continue through Saturday, July 25th. Well, we are just about out of time for today, but I will ask you that if you have any questions, if you have any interview ideas, hit me up on social media, specifically Twitter, at Ted Ramey Media. I would love to hear from you, get some of these ideas, get some of these thoughts you have, and try and incorporate them into the show. As always, I urge you to stay happy and stay healthy, and I hope that I am providing you some sort of a relief during these challenging times and hopefully sooner rather than later we will be talking about hockey games sports etc all the entertainment and distractions that we need right now to help get us back towards some semblance of a normal life until then a big thanks to jonathan becker for filling us in on all the latest to you for tuning into this podcast and to the san jose sharks for making it a reality For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off.